This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Magnan. And I'm Luc-Olivier Dumeblet. And our topic this week is... September 7 events. Hmm. Last Wednesday was pretty busy. Yes, it was. Uh, do you have any follow-up for the show? I do not because September 7 was too busy last week. So I think we have so much stuff to talk about that we'll jump right into the topic. Oh, man. Yes. A throat be told, I lied a bit. And we'll start with... Some stuff that happened before September event. And to be exact, it happened on September 1st. Do you remember what happened on September 1st? No. Okay. So like we teased into the end of the last episode, obviously today we will talk about the Apple event. And obviously the other event that happened right after the Apple event is the Sony PlayStation event. But before we start about those topics, Apple... Um, kind of use this pattern and let's wait for Apple third time at using this pattern but I'd like to mention that they did the same exact thing when they announced App Store changes back in June right oh. before Dub Dub they announced App Store changes right before the event on a Thursday again so yes on September 1st what did happen Yannick? Uh, I forgot Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm not an iOS developer anymore. I don't really... Okay, so uh, Apple announced two important changes to the App Store, and I think it's... Oh, I remember now. They're okay. removing a bunch of apps. Yes, yes. And then I'll just skip to my thoughts about it, because it seems that since you forgot about it, you don't have any thoughts about it. <laughs> no, I have thoughts about it. I just completely forgot because I'm so busy at work these days that I don't really have time to process anything. Good. So the two important changes they decided to implement. The first one is shorter app name. So they decided to put uh, to lower the limit of characters on uh, app names to lower this kind of uh, app store optimization, search optimization, where people put like a shit ton of keyword in the application name to make them pop up into the search results. And I do think it's a great move, but at the same time. It's strange to me that they kind of remove this ability to do that and also maybe not improve search or part of doing that they think or they have kind of the numbers to show that it will improve search and it will bring more results and more uh, relevant results to people. Don't you think this is just an, a way to get people to buy ads on the App Store? Because that was the thing that was announced like at the last App Store changes prior to an event. It could be. You're right. It it could be that too. Um, and it would be a great place to like make everybody shorter their application name and make sure that all of those keywords, they buy them using this new ad platform. That could be another solution. But I think it could be a mix too because if there's less shitty data and if you have a kind of a somewhat mild algorithm, search algorithm, Lowering the number of maybe false search or like kind of like skewing of the data what will might be out in the bigger picture. So I hope it's also part of that too. If not, you might be right. It's only to sell more ads. Well, I don't think it's only to sell more ads. I think there's like an aesthetic quality to having shorter app names, except I think that it's sort of inevitable that the fact that you're removing that kind of metadata from the app name itself means that you are more likely to be incentivized to buy ads. And it's not necessarily the main goal of it, but it's just a side effect of the change. Right. So I guess we'll see in the coming weeks when this gets uh, introduced. And especially, I think, 
with the uh, launch of iOS 10, which we'll talk a little bit later, this will bring the ads to the public consumption. And I'm eager to see what will be the results of this change in uh, injunction with the ads that there, we'll see. The ads are already live on iOS 10 right now, and they are really bad. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I want to see kind of quote unquote real ads because I assume that they are bad because kind of no dev is using them because they are just like the desperate or something like that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess uh, I'm more interested in talking about the app, the apps that are going to get removed because one of my apps is probably going to get flagged for being removed and I'm not sure if I want to update it or not. Which one is it, by the way? Telebitter. It's an app that oh. I made for uh, taking screenshots on the iPad because the iPad has a 4x3 screen and when you're watching 16x9 video, it's sort of a pain in the ass to go manually crop it to 16x9 all the time. So what it does is it automatically crops it for you and automatically pops up a Twitter uh, dialogue when you switch to the app. And I've been meaning to update it because now with the multitasking changes, it could be even faster to just send out tweets of screenshots of tv shows while you're watching it um and the thing is like this app was written back when ios 6 was released i think the only update i ever made to it was updated to the ios 7 sdk so it would use the native controls in ios 7 and then i never touched it again so it's not ipad pro ready at all or anything like that and since i have an ipad pro now it probably would be very responsible of me to actually update it to use uh the ipad pro and the multitasking changes I just haven't had the time, um, and I guess it technically could get removed from the App Store. I haven't gotten an email about it, though, and I'm not too sure what the time frame is for that. Yeah, it seems that people started to receive some of those emails because I've seen an example on Twitter where the guy was mentioning it. I think was saying it was one of his old app that... I don't know why, but he said, I need to keep it for old customers, and it's only available kind of in the South Africa South African <laughs> store. And it got flagged because the last update was a while ago. And the, the email is pretty straightforward. It says what they mentioned uh, when they announced those changes, saying that it's you have 30 days to update it. In 30 days, if it's not updated to reflect the new uh, App Store guidelines, uh, it will get removed. And uh, it's on your part after that to update it and make sure it gets approved again. And obviously, they gave you like this 30 days grace period to make it sure, that it, kind of as a, uh, to incentivize people to make them make updates fast. And especially these days with the app review times, I think they hope to, they hope that developers will either just remove the application by themselves before the 30 days limit, or B, submit a, uh, an app update in the next few days after receiving this email and just like have the app back on the app store with what apple wants yeah there's one app i rely on quite regularly that i worry might be removed because it's only 32-bit right now and that is my japanese dic dictionary imiwa um that application it's a really really good dictionary app with some really useful features and it's free but it doesn't support the iPhone 6 screen, and oh it's 32-bit, but I don't care. It's so much better than the other ones, which are paid, that I am hanging on to this thing, and I just hope that it doesn't stop working like the week before I go to Japan. Oh, yeah, by the way, everyone, I bought tickets to go to Japan again. Oh, I think we'll... 
talk about that in future episodes. Yes, we will. Maybe we'll do another uh, quote-unquote live episode from Japan where you kind of get strange looks from police officers. I don't think that's going to be happening this year. I don't have enough time to do that this year. Oh, okay. Good. I think that was it for the... Yes, that was it for the uh, App Store changes. Uh, it's interesting to see that those changes get announced before the event it's and it's second time it's on a third thursday so i'm eager to see if it will happen a third time and if it happens a third time it's now a rule and we know well you know what they're going to do in october they're going to announce mac app store changes like a week before the new macs come out let's not talk about that now just kidding there are no any macs guys stop there okay (laughs) come on Macs are dead Anyway, iOS. <laughs> so I think we can wrap that show now after 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> no kidding aside. So now let's jump into the Apple event. And um, obviously it's separated from the stuff. I think we'll go it uh, in the chronological order. But um, what I'd like to do is more do a kind of a director's cut, a.k.a. we will come in and bitch about the event and not uh, relate what are the news. I think if you haven't watched the keynote or listen to people uh, explanation of the keynote I think it's a good time to hit pause right now, go watch the keynote and come back you could also go watch um, I forgot what the video is called but there's like a 109 second video that uh, with lots and lots of typography that uh, Apple did to sum up the event and oh, usually yeah, yeah. like web- websites like The Verge will do videos like this but now Apple made their own and it's like all over YouTube because it's like an ad camping on YouTube now um so if you are really really lazy and don't want to l- watch 2 hours of Apple employees speaking you can just go watch that and get b- most of the news I guess yeah and if you were watching during the keynote you also realized that this same campaign was also leaking information during the keynote, which is was really funny. <laughs> but now uh, let's get into the opening of the event. Hmm. How do you like One Republic? Uh, <laughs> what? Okay, I was not going there, but that's okay. Uh, oh, not that opening. No, I, I think it's everything before the Apple Watch. Let's put it this way. That's what I consider the opening. Okay. So I think the first big thing was we got something regarding Nintendo on an Apple event stage? I think? Maybe? I'm not sure? Yeah, well, it's... I I mean, this is the first time I can remember in a really, really long time, like since the year 2000, probably, that there was a Japanese interpreter on stage during an Apple event. Uh, I would say even any interpreter. Unless uh, I'm forgetting someone. I'm not sure about that. Um, But... For Japanese, I think, like, there might have been one for the Sony CEO back when they were doing the iMac DV. Like, I think that's how far back it goes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, So, yeah. um, Shigeru Miyamoto came out on stage with Bill Trinan, and they demoed Super Mario Run, which is a endless runner game for iOS featuring Mario. Uh, It's based on the same aesthetic as the new Super Mario Brothers series, which is i guess i guess it's okay um just, oh, okay i think we'll run into a fight <laughs> again about those games i i just prefer the sprite look to the 3d side scroller look okay that's, that's all okay that's fair um, no that's a fair comment then yeah um so yeah it's sort of a game in the style of cannibal except with 
similar platforming challenges to what you would expect in Mario games. There are special blocks you can step on which change Mario's trajectory. So um, you can actually walk backwards in this, which is kind of weird because even the original Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System didn't allow you to run backwards, but now you can in uh, Super Mario Run. Oh, didn't um, know that part, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can see it in certain videos, I think. Um, there are certain videos which, uh, not videos, certain blocks which make Mario stop and then you can resume by pressing things. So, like, he'll go in front of a fire pit and then stop and then there will be flames in the air and you have to wait until they're gone to jump or something. Um, oh, so that's really... interesting. Yeah, it is interesting and I'm super hyped, uh, excited about this game, to be honest. Um, I know it's kind of, uh, we can say it's kind of the typical like side scroller on iOS, which is really nice and really easy to play while you're on the commute or waiting in a queue in the cafe or whatever. But it seems to me that taking that and applying it some of those Mario fun elements to it makes it a bit different and just enough different for people to just enjoy it. And especially, I think I will enjoy it. And to go back maybe to your comment about uh, you maybe being less interested by the graphics of those games, I really enjoy both the Wii U version and the 3DS version of those games, of those types of graphics. And I think that getting that game on iOS will make of will make one of my greatest apps to date. I think one of the funny things that uh, Gruber said about this game is that the iPhone 7 is the most powerful hardware that a Nintendo game has ever run on, which which is, is sort of a dick move, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of true. You're right. Um, so yeah, uh, th- this game, it's probably going to be decent. I'm excited that the uh, business model appears to be you get a free trial of, like, the first world, I think. So, like, five levels or something. And then you can buy the rest of the game for one flat fee. Um, no microtransaction nickel and diming, which is pretty cool. And I think that the battle mode is really the part that is interesting to me. Because I know speedrunners are going to be doing crazy shit in this mode. <laughs> yeah, do you remember the name of the game we mentioned in our free-to-play episode? Which was from Nintendo, if I recall correctly. Where if you a certain limit of like in a transaction you could kind of unlock the kind of uh, like unlimited mode of it and you couldn't be couldn't provide them with more of your own money i keep confusing the names of the pokemon puzzle games because there are so many of them but i think it's pokemon shuffle yeah and when they mentioned that it reminded me of that same game aka that it would be a free-to-pay game where you could do microtransaction and then at some point if you paid enough in the microtransaction you can just like you're done everything is unlocked you just enjoy the game and that's it but it seems that people kind of didn't like that or didn't know that nintendo is not their first attempt at doing that and i think well, it wasn't Nintendo. It was the Pokemon Company. Oh, really? Oh, right. Yes, if it's a po- okay, then my bad. But still, it's kind of the same. Pokemon complicates everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're right. It does. But to me, it feels it felt like it's kind of the same people having the same general ideas. But Nintendo explicitly stated that in their, um, I guess, their mission statement when they announced the initial collaboration with DNA. Um, so oh, yeah, exactly they it's said a- like we don't want to be one of these predatory uh in-app purchase game companies we want to do things fair because that's what people associate with our brand and i think so far they're doing a great job of that 
Um, Mitomo is more traditional in that respect because you can just give them as much money as you want and they will gladly accept it. Um, I'm curious to see because there were two other Nintendo free-to-play games that were announced before this one because Super Mario Run was basically completely a surprise. It was never announced anywhere. Nobody even mentioned that there was a Mario game in the works for mobile. Um, the two games that were pre-announced were Animal Crossing, which we should get news about soon probably because there is an Animal Crossing Nintendo Direct next month. Um, and there was going to be a Fire Emblem game. Yeah, it's surprising that we didn't hear about those first, but I think it would have it would have been strange, and I'm sorry for Fire Emblem fans and Animal Crossing fans, but can you imagine the same presentation with either Animal Crossing or Fire Emblem? I don't don't think it would have had the same reach to people. I think think Animal Crossing could hit the same kind of like the Farmville demographic, maybe. It would, but I don't think everybody knows all of the Animal Crossing character the same way that they know Mario and Luigi. That's true. Uh, Yeah, so it's much more impactful to go with Super Mario on that stage, although I would have fucking loved it if it would have been Fire Emblem because... It would have been so weird to have basically incest simulator on the fucking front <laughs> front stage of. Uh, 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 okay, uh, uh, what? Oh I'm yeah, not sure um, I don't, I, I'm not sure if I want to know more about that. Okay, so for the uninformed, Fire Emblem Fates is a game about um, marrying and having sex with your sisters. So that is a thing, or your brothers if you're playing as a female. So that is a thing. Okay, we'll leave that topic at this moment. That's it. Yeah. Good. Um, I just realized, I think we'll talk about that now, but uh, Pokemon Go also got a big update, or will get a big update. And I think uh, what I was wanted to say about Pokemon Go is kind of related to my conclusion of what we what I've talked about the game. <laughs> and... Which is you're a genius and you called what was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. But according to their timeline, when they announced that Pokemon Go will get an Apple Watch app, is... They are saying that their Pokemon Go device that I forgot the name again. Pokemon Go Plus, which is a terrible name. Yes, thank you. The Pokemon Go Plus device is about to ship, if I recall correctly, by the end of the month. By the end of the week. Oh, it's even the week? Okay. Yeah, by the time people are listening to this, it should be out. Good. So hopefully you'll be able to walk around and uh, not, or maybe lower the kind of uh, battery usage that Pokemon Go will have on your phone by using this a neat device and if you want to know what this neat device does either google it or listen to our pokemon Go episode but what i assume that will be coming is a stream of updates to keep people entertained meanwhile also adding this pokemon go plus release and i really hope that also support would support the apple watch because it seemed to me that the apple watch would be the like the perfect candidate to get the apple uh to have a smartwatch experience and i know that obviously these pokemon go plus companion will make for people that doesn't want or doesn't have an apple watch and it seems that that was their exact plan because pokemon go for the watch is coming by the end of the year since we're talking about pokemon go um i have to basically like drop this rumor slash speculation on you uh have you been keeping up uh ha have you been keeping up at all on uh pokemon sun and moon a, a bit, a yes, a yes and no. Let's say I'm kind of forced to keep up with the news because uh, Tony is a giant fan of Pokemon, and every time there's a Pokemon 
Nintendo Direct uh, or Pokemon Direct, whatever you want to call them at this point, that is in relation with the Nintendo uh, Pokemon. I get to see the videos, I get to hear the news and all of that stuff. And according to Tony, I'm forced to play either Sun or Moon when it gets released. Okay, well, yeah. So there, there's basically new new news about uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon every week because uh, the news cycle for Pokemon basically comes out of weekly magazines in Japan. So that's more or less how news comes out. Um, and like inevitably every week when I'm at work, there's like 500 billion Pokemon tweets on my timeline. But basically the idea between behind Sun and Moon is they've built this island which is inspired by Hawaii. And for the very, well, not for the first time, but it's becoming much more of a big part of the gameplay is there are regional uh, variants of various Pokemon. And what I find extremely interesting and maybe a little bit too much of a coincidence is that uh, the only variants that have been announced so far are in the uh, first 150 Pokemon in the Pokedex. And you can probably see where I'm going with this. I am going to bet right here that those variants are going to be in Pokemon Go at the launch of Sun and Moon next month. Hmm, that would be interesting because I don't know if I don't think that uh, Niantic has planned to bring uh, more kind of generation of Pokemon inside the game for now. Right, they haven't mentioned any of that, but it would make a really kick-ass promotion to say like for the next month to commemorate Pokemon Sun and Moon, you can go out and catch these rare variants of Pokemon like uh, Ice Meowth and stuff. Um, that you're not necessarily expecting to find. And it'll give like a nice twist to the Pokemon that are in your area. Yep. And hopefully my luck and the podcast luck will help you make that happen. Hopefully. Good. Um, last bullet point in my kind of opening statement is, you know what, Enik? I have a statement for this episode. Mm. I've decided starting today that the best tool to use to prepare our show notes would be oh, I God. work because Fuck. yes I work Take as now real-time collaboration oh my god um yeah so I've been trying to uh get you to collaborate with me on quip for uh like three months now and uh, he said no so whoa, that whoa, whoa, didn't whoa, happen whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not say no. You never sent me an okay. invite to a shared okay. document. You didn't say no. You said, I'm not going to install Quip. And then it ended there. Fair. <laughs> but anyway, uh, iWork has real-time collaboration. We haven't tried it yet. But uh, if it works as well as it did during the keynote, that's pretty dope. Oh, of course, we will try it. Oh, Eventually. yes, we will. Maybe, you know what? I think it. I know what we should do. Remember this old iWork.com like shared document that we used to have? Yeah, the one I don't have in my iWork because iWork.com is fucking shit. <laughs> yes, this one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I'll revive it because I still have it. <laughs> oh my god. And we'll use real-time collaboration with it. That would be so great. The problem is none of the iPad apps for iWork have been updated yet, so I'm not sure when this feature is launching, but I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Now let's attack our first hardware announcement of the day. Oh the my god. The first uh, one is the new Apple Watch. And um, I think what we'll have to say is bye-bye uh, OG Apple Watch. You mean Apple Watch Series 0? I think we can call it Series 0 to make it the more... Uh, it sounds way cooler. Yes. So uh, the gist of it is, yes, we got uh, all of the leaks regarding the Apple Watch 2. 
uh, were right. So we got a new Apple Watch with GPS, with water, with waterproofing. Yes, with waterproofing. Swim proofing. Yeah, or swim proofing. I don't. I know that's kind of a. So you can put it in the water more than uh, more in more than one meter of water, and it it's fifty survive. meters. Yes, so it's nice. Um, but the rest of it is mostly uh, the same. It's the same case. It's a bit thicker though. Um, and it has a dual core CPU, which what the whole Apple Watch is now called the Series One will also get. So Yannick, I think we have now a special edition of the Apple Watch. I'm so happy I bought this fucking generation. I knew it was going to be useful someday. Now I have the super rare Apple Watch that I love it. Okay, I, I I, I'm say so excited super... that I have a low performance version of the Apple Watch. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's super rare unless you didn't tell me that you bought an edition, but that's okay. Oh, I didn't show you that one. No, no, I don't think so. I think you really show it to everybody. That's why. Mm. But yeah, um, I think it's kind of a the main reason I would see to put the like this new CPU into the Apple Watch Series One is kind of to. Uh, it's, it makes me sad to say, but it feels that Apple knew that the first CPU was kind of shit. So now they're making sure that uh, first-time buyers will have a greater experience compared to what they would have uh, with the current hardware. And to be honest, though, I think it will make for better performance, especially from what we've seen with WatchOS 3, which seems to unruin the first generation of Apple Watch, uh, makes it way useful for apps. Uh, if you're if you want to use apps obviously uh but yeah i think it will make a better product and that's kind of the kind of underlayer on it's kind of i would say the second goal of this event it seems to me that yes we had we added apple announced new and shiny hardware but it seems that the update they did to their kind of last year's model were to make them even more compelling but at a cheaper price yeah, I think this is the real Apple Watch launch. Like, I think that the name Series 1 was chosen very carefully to indicate that basically Series 0 was the beta test period of this product. And it sort of sucks if you were an early adopter and you were not a nerd, but just a regular user, because you basically got the pre-release version of this product and now you're stuck with it. And I hope you didn't buy a stainless steel model or something that cost a bunch of money because now like we did yeah like we did because now you're much more attached to the investment you made on that watch than you would be if you spent money on the sport maybe let's say though you did mention in in our past episode that the performance of watch os 3 kind of saves the first gen hardware yeah so i'm really excited for this week because um, well, first of all, right before the show, I got my first watchOS 3 updates for apps. Uh, oh, I really? Nice. use them, but they are going up on the store. So that is fun. I'm looking forward to the next few days to get to try out more watchOS 3 apps because, as I mentioned on previous episodes, um, I've been using the watchOS 3 betas over the summer, and the thing that really kills performance on watchOS 3 right now is that all of these apps were engineered with different semantics as to the process model. So right now, every app is woken up as soon as you hover over it in the dock, like I've mentioned in the past. And a lot of apps use that as their cue to refresh data. And when you are scrolling through your apps, every app in sequence starts refreshing their data and everything slows to a crawl. Um, now, of course, this makes sense because 
apps on watchOS 2 were expecting to only get activated when they were actually being used. But now since they're being activated while they're being scrolled over, they can't do that anymore. And now developers are aware that they can't do that anymore. So they have to fix their apps not to do it. Otherwise, they'll have a shitty experience for their apps on watchOS 3. Yeah, that's kind of the transition behavior between watchOS 2 and watchOS 3. Yeah, and honestly, if you only have like two or three apps in your dock, the experience is really good because the performance cost isn't that high. Um, but if you have like six or seven apps in your dock, well, by the time you get to the sixth app, like your animations are very, very stuttery. Um, so I'm hoping that this is going to be much, much better with watchOS 3 apps rolling out uh, as we speak. And I am very excited for the next few days. Um, another thing that was really interesting about... Um, the watch series two announcement is how they are going really deep into making this a fitness product. Oh yeah. I think, I think our main disappointment of the watch is kind of the initial targeting of the audience for it when Apple announced it. And that's something we mentioned that right now, if you wanted to buy an Apple watch, you made sure to have a great fitness need because if not, as you mentioned in the past, it was not a great recommendation. And I think I would also err on that side too, saying that now with the big push and with its new Nike uh, special edition watch. I love that edition, by the way. I want to talk more about it, but keep going. Good, no problem. I think with that and also a bit related to your comment regarding uh, saying that it's kind of it feels like it's the real first launch of the Apple Watch. The naming has changed to make it more simpler. You now have Series 1 and Series 2, which say it's like Generation 1 or 2. But in most cases, it only refers to the material the watch is made. So there's no longer like this weird, like the cheap one is called the Apple Watch Sport. The normal one, quote unquote normal one, is just called Apple Watch. And then you have the edition, which was the like, uh, I'm rich watch. <laughs> now you just say like, I want a Series 2. And the way that the Apple website is done too, it says, okay, which material do you want? Which color do you want? And then if it's available in both series, they will ask you, do you want the series one? Because it has those advantages. And do you want the other series? Because it has those more advantages. And I think this branding will make it clearer for people that are not geeks or not uh, gadget-minded people. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about the special variants of the Apple Watch. There's the Apple Watch Nike Plus, which I am very excited about. There's also the uh, Apple Watch Hermes, which is not new, um, but they have revised the bands that are available for it and have updated it to Series 2 hardware. Um, first of all, um, I, I just want to mention Hermes very quickly. I think the new bands look really good, and I think if I were shopping for a new stainless steel Apple Watch, I would be tempted to go towards the Hermes series. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and if I recall correctly, uh, the Hermes watches are about the same price as if you were to get the link bracelet model. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, it depends like which band you get. The other thing that's, I mean, it's not a huge deal because it's only like a $69 band or whatever, but there's an extra sports band, which is included with the watch. It's a, an orange Hermes colored uh, sports band, which you can only get with that thing. So you basically get... The sports band and the fancy pants leather band with oh, it. That, that's a super idea, especially uh, if people want to use uh, this this watch as a fitness tracking system. Yeah, so, which is made up for. So I think I think those watches look really good. 
Um, but I think the star of the show really is the Nike Plus one, which really is a bigger visual, dis- uh, more distinctive product than the Hermes one is. Hermes is you have the fancy band and maybe you use their watch face. I don't particularly <laughs> like their watch face, but maybe you can use that and have like a distinctive looking watch. But the Nike Plus one, the band is so unique. And as far as I can tell, you can't buy it separately. Um, no, I think they use the same strategy as Hermes. They have like specific bands. But you uh, can they... buy the Hermes band separately, which is the weird thing. Oh, you can? Wow, yeah, I, I could buy know. the band for my watch and I could put it on and it will work fine. Uh, Nike Plus, you don't have that luxury. You have to absolutely buy the Nike Plus watch. Um, I think that the thing that appeals to me the most about this watch is the digital watch face they have for Nike, which is the best digital watch face on the Apple Watch by far. And it really pisses me off that it's only on the Nike Plus model because it's so good. You get four complications... And it's not the modular face. <laughs> what? Yeah, Fork? Oh, you get it. three complications on the left side of the screen. So you can have like activity rings and then like two other complications. And then you have the really slim bottom complication like on uh, whatever the hell this watch face is. I think it's called the activity analog one. Yeah. Uh, yeah but basically yeah. at the bottom of the analog faces, what you have. Um, so you have basically those four complications. And that is basically what i want because i want uh, for catching the bus and stuff i really need accurate minute readings and the fastest way to get accurate minute readings is digital sorry elitists who like analog clock faces i think analog clock faces look nicer but they are certainly not as fast to read accurately um so yeah i I think if we go on a small tangent for that i think they are the best way to get uh, kind of an average guess of what time it is like you're not sure if it's like 10 30 or 10 15 you you can glance at your wrist and it's like oh it's in the middle and yep. you know it's around that and i i think we might be able to talk about this on a future episode i've i really like the watch face switching in watch os 3 and now i use basically three watch faces in rotation depending on the time of day uh or type of day it is like if i have calendar events i'll use modular if i don't have calendar events but i'm at work i'll use uh, what is it called? Motion. And then when I get off work, I change to activity analog. Um, basically always trying to use the one that's most useful for the context I'm in, which is sort of the point, I guess. Um, yeah. And I'm eagerly waiting for that feature because that's something I started to do when I got watch when, when I realized it was kind of clunky and I started to kind of forget about it and just stay and these days i'm using modular but to be honest the way i've set up modular for me is a bit too a, a bit too kind of a context focus during the weekends uh, i think it's like a, i have kind of right now i have like weather i have activity being i also have the pedometer plus plus sleep plus plus and last but not least is uh, the uh, alarm in the morning oh and interesting yeah so all of these are you getting used and giving me information throughout the day during the week but during the weekend what i want to know is time maybe weather and if i were to stretch it maybe the activity rings but in most cases i want time and weather and that's it yeah so and i think my favorite watch faces will be able to support that like the uh, motion ones will get more the yes yeah Yeah. motion has more complications on watch s3 which is very welcome because 
those were basically unusable. They were very pretty, but they were not useful at all. <laughs> yeah, and I think they will become my default weekend watch faces. Yeah. Um, um, but going oh, back to the Nike Plus model. Um, so, yeah, it has that really fancy watch face. There's also an analog one, um, which I'm less of a fan of, but it's there if you want it. And it has this freaky sports band, which has a bunch of holes in it to make it breathe. Um, it looks really good, um, but and I, I it's think clear. Have, oh, go ahead. I think they've designed a better sport band. Yeah, the problem is this one is much more. It's not going to pass at work, let's say, because it's so sporty that you basically have to swap bands if you're going into work or something. Oh, I see your point. No, I totally see your point. And it's sad, though, because if they were to have used kind of the same color palette that they use for the sport bands, I would like totally get a new one because I think, and it's just by looking at it, I think it will fix the main problem I have with the uh, sport band, which is it makes your wrist sweaty throughout the day. And yeah. with all of those holes, I think it will make it breathe and it will have the same effect that I have with the nylon one, the nylon one that I bought last spring, which I love so much. Yeah, I'm still wearing mine as well. And by the way, Nylon Band has new colors and they look awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Without spoiling the rest of the episode, I think this event will be expensive on accessories, not on main hardware. <laughs> yes, I understand what you mean. Especially for me. Um, wow. I think my last comment regarding the Apple Watch is the lineup right now seems to me that if you want an IN watch, you the IN Apple Watches feels to me right now that they are more affordable and i put affordable in big quotes tells uh right now the edition model is now in a new material bye bye uh pink gold and real gold it's now in ceramic ceramic looks classy to me uh i'm sure if it were black it would even be classier but also it'll also look really classy in white and the price is pretty decent for uh, I and watch in my opinion it's uh 1600 Canadian dollars I think it translates to I think uh, it's 1200 US yeah it's 1249 if I recall correctly probably but I think but uh, like 1600 put it around kind of like a space black link bracelet or uh, maybe a more expensive like stainless steel uh link bracelet and it puts it around uh, the prices of the Hermes watches too so you can have you can have like real three steps like you have the more let's not put it cheap but like less like okay let's use cheap but the less pricey one you have the like typical middle range where it's stainless steel it's a bit more durable and then you have like the real classy models where you have like better material for a bracelet or better material for the finishes aka the space black uh also the ceramic model which is so is really hard and really shiny so I, I think this lineup will reflect how people will buy the watch before we move on i have two questions for you first of all have any of your friends said they're going to buy an apple watch because of these new announcements hmm and i know when you ask friend i'm sure you're not including like techie people. not tech friends yeah um i'll say no because i haven't heard from them about the apple event so I have heard from two people who are very excited to pick up an Apple Watch after the new announcements. And I think it's pretty much the best time to grab an Apple Watch because, like, if you're not a swimmer, you can get Series 1 and get, like, a perfectly fine experience with an Apple Watch. Because, like, they have the same CPU. So with regards to um, 
like the quality of the experience degrading over time, they should in theory degrade at pretty much exactly the same time. If you really rely on GPS or are a swimmer, then go for series two. But otherwise, like the lineup allows you to get a series one and get away with it. Um, the other thing is, I, I forgot the other question I was going to ask you, which is sort of a problem. <laughs> That's good. But like, I, I think the lineup is in a really good place. And I think that it's really cool that people who buy the sports model are not penalized for it. Like they can buy the sports model and get the same thing as the person getting the edition, really. It's just that it's in a less fancy material. But like, I think a couple of times Marcos said, like the sports model is the best model of the watch because it's the lightest and it's the most resistant to everything. And like, it's also cheap. And I think that really is going to make it much more accessible now that it's a much better product. Like, oh yeah, I remember the question. Like, would you recommend series one and series two as products to normal people? Whereas maybe we were a little bit more reluctant to do so with series zero. You know what? I haven't used watchOS 3, but from what everything I heard from you and from others about watchOS 3, I think it makes from a killer product now. And I Especially think... if you're into fitness. Yes, and I think even if you're not into fitness, but maybe more into just like tracking your uh, steps and maybe just getting lightly into fitness, but you couldn't care about fitness for a sec and also think that you'll enjoy uh, the new watches. Cool. Um, while I'm at it, I'll have a quick uh, surprising. I was looking at the prices for the Canadian one and I... I was uh, expecting for the uh, Series 1 to be uh, below $300, but sadly it's only in the US. Uh, hopefully maybe in a couple... <sighs> yes, I know, I know. It's the 359 but what I've realized also is the Series 2 aluminum case gets this uh, sapphire back that the Series 1 doesn't get. Obviously both of them have this like Ion-X glass that uh, the... Uh, the stainless steel will get in sapphire from the back and the front, but the Series 1 is still in composite back where the sensors are compared to the Series 2s that gets the ceramic back as the same one as the, um, the stainless steel. And it, it's surprising because I think, for me, the aluminum model will be its only downside, that the screen is good, but I have a friend that have the... F- first generation the series zero and told me that they were able to scratch the glass and i wouldn't say that i've been rough with my watch but i use it like a normal watch and you like knock it on walls on doors and all and all that stuff and yes obviously stainless steel is easily scratchable but the screen is like a1 yeah mine looks worn but it's because it's been on my wrist every single day since i got it basically yeah yeah but um, but it's not the screen it's only the stainless steel no right exactly and that's my point is the sapphire display makes a big difference cool good oh wow okay now into the big part (laughs) this is gonna be the big part um i think okay honestly like if i'm being perfectly honest about this event the watch stuff excited me more than the phone did but we'll talk about why. <laughs> okay, no, no, that's fair. And I think, uh, yes, we'll have a big discussion about why. Yeah, but now I guess uh, that's, that's why it's the big part. Yeah, no, 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 that's why I think it's a big part. And we're teasing about it, and it's coming soon. Uh, but yes, like Nick mentioned, uh, Apple spent 55 minutes of their 
event on the new iPhone. Which is and, a big change from like the 16 minutes from the iPhone, was it the iPhone 6 event? Like whenever they showed the Apple Watch, like the iPhone 6 was like, oh yeah, we made a new phone, 16 minutes, boom, okay, let's talk about Apple Watch. Um, but now it's like the entire hour was devoted to, half the event was devoted to the iPhone. Yeah, and I remember th- texting you during the event that of I think Phil was around like the fourth point, which was a photography. And I was like, oh, it's going to be fast. If we're already at the fourth point, it took 10 minutes. And then Phil started to talk about photography yeah. for the next 20 minutes. So I was like, okay. And then that's when I realized that, nope, most of the event will be about the iPhone, the new iPhone 7, which um, I think my first comment about it is, oh, my God, the jet black color. Oh, my goodness. I'm seriously thinking about going to the Apple Store on a lunch day just to see it in person. And seriously, going on the Apple Store on a lunch day without buying anything is a pain in the big butt. It really is. <laughs> so last time, the last time I personally owned a black iPhone is... 3GS? No, my 3GS was white because it was the first white. Oh, so yeah, that's this true. this would mean the original iPhone. Which isn't really a black back no you're right it's not a black back but <laughs> so it's you basically phone. never had a black iphone no i do have a black iphone 4 but it's only i only bought uh, it yeah. as a test okay. device and the other one it would be a somewhat space gray ipod touch but yeah, yeah, as yeah. my like daily driver never had a, fo- a black phone and for if and the main reason is like i always felt that the white ones especially the white fronts i like them more but now I don't know why. I think it, maybe it's the just being a black and shiny, but it just makes me want to get my next phone. I think black. it looks incredibly sexy in the product photography. Um, the problem is, of course, the footnote that everybody is pointing to on the Apple website, which mentions that there's a heightened possibility of micro abrasions. And as someone who has been enraged in my iPhone 6 for taking an unreasonable amount of damage for regular use, I am very, very scared of that warning, and I would probably not buy the iPhone in jet black for that very reason. Which is surprising, because if I recall correctly, your iPhone 5 was black. Yes, it was. And literally three Uh, minutes after I took it out of the box, it was scratched permanently. Yes, and it was (laughs) sad. I I loved it, though. I mean, the black iPhone 5 was absolutely gorgeous. And I think that the space gray is disgusting. Sorry, space gray owners. Um, I wouldn't say it's disgusting, but I will agree with you by saying that when they released the black iPhone 5, I was it was obviously out of my cycle. I was like, when I get the 5S, I'll get it black. And then they put it into the space gray camp. I was like, no. And like that iPhone 5 is still kicking upstairs. Um so, I mean, it's still getting active use and it's still a great phone. I mean, it's surprising that it's not that terrible performance-wise nowadays, which is really surprising to me um, because we all remember, like, the iPhone 3G days. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you remember 4.2.1 when put on that iPhone 3G? It would explode as much as Samsung Galaxy Note oh my 7. Oh, gosh. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but... Uh, the other point I wanted to make is the iPhone 5 remind me of an old picture I've seen on of a first generation iPhone that was like completely worn out. Like the yeah. case was like kind of brushed so much, but you knew it was 
not brushed to be good. It was brushed like with keys yeah. to make it look rough. And that's what will that's what will happen to iPhone five devices after a couple of years of usage. And I've seen shit ton of them in the wild still. And they still look great. Yeah, they and look really that's good. That's why it's crazy. It's they all they age really well. And <laughs> which I know is not can... something I can say about the iPhone six. Okay, I'll 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 like to see in maybe like in a year or two with my iPhone uh, success, but right now, well, six S has the advantage that it has the harder aluminum. Fair, you're right. So it might affect the kind of the age aspect of it. Yeah, probably. I would I would imagine it does. So, so th- that's why I wouldn't go with jet black. Let's say. <laughs> Fair, but I think uh, both you and I uh, bought and used like old iPods that get scratched the second you look at it and I think at the end you just like live with it and start to kind of create this uh this idea around or kind of you romanticize the fact that it's worn out so yeah but the problem is like mine doesn't look worn out mine looks damaged (laughs) that's the difference fair and I hope that it will look worn out and not damaged and I think you know what it's good because I have a year to look at what at other people's iPhone getting damaged or worn out. Well, that's sort of the thing. I don't think there's going to be an S cycle for this phone because everything seems to point to a 10th anniversary iPhone, and I think this is your shot to get this phone. Fair. Uh, I'm not getting a new phone this year. Yeah. Not going to happen, especially with the old Canadian prices. Yes, I'm very aware of those prices. I know, I know. Uh, next uh, big feature was uh, water resistant. I think it's go end in end with uh, kind of the rumors and tests that people did with the iPhone 5s and also success. with uh, yes success sorry and to also get the uh, like swim resistant or swim proofness of the Apple Watch. I think that was kind of uh, the gist this of it. This one is, is to... not swim proof though. It is just no. splash proof. Uh, yes, it is uh, water resistant. So I think it's <laughs> I think it's the same. Uh, kind of specification as the original Apple Watch and the Series 1. It's the yep. IPX67. Yeah, I think there's no X, but yeah. Yeah, oh, IP67. But um, the gist of it is if you drop it in the toilet, that's safe. If you talk on the phone or play on the phone when it, while it's running, it's safe. And Maybe not dropping in the toilet, but I always felt that iPhones, if you were like, careful enough, you they could get some grain on them and that wouldn't be that bad but you're right that if now you can drop it in the toilet even if apple won't cover water damage it's now like written on the website the warranty the warranty does not cover liquid damage even if it's if it's water resistant or splash proof but i think it will um, lower the support calls and the support that Apple has to do with those iPhones. And I think it will be gladly appreciated by people. Yeah. The other thing, um, I'll let you choose. Either we talk about photography now or we talk about no more headphone jack. I, I was hoping we were going to talk about Apple Pay, but um, okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, we can talk about photography. I don't really care. We're going to talk about both of them, so it's really just picking which comes first. I know, I know. Okay, that's fine. Let's talk about photography. Um, my first thing I have to say about photography is, oh my god, image stabilization on all of the phones. Oh my god. That's... Well, with an asterisk. 
What do you mean with an asterisk? Okay, so uh, all of the phones have optical image stabilization. This is true. However, not all of the lenses on the phones have optical image stabilization. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that uh, just before starting to record. Seems yeah. that the telephone lenses on the 7 Plus doesn't get OIS. Right. But it's only reported by... Oh, it's Minchi Quark, if I recall correctly? Well... It... Some kind of analysis. In any that... case, I I am aware that there are people with review uh, iPhones, and there are people who have touched the review iPhones that probably shouldn't have, and have said things. So that is all I'm going to say. Hmm. I see. I see. So you've heard from unconfirmed sources that uh, it might be true. I mean, I I I believe it fully. Okay. Let's just say that. Okay, that's fair. I'll I'll take that. So that's okay. Uh, as a person that quote unquote will not get a pro a plus getting ois on all of the phone is uh neat but i think right now it's probably clear that if you're the kind of person that loves photography and also love smartphone photography you should get an iphone plus model i'm not so sure about that i think the iphone 7 non plus is perfectly fine and even way above any other phone on the market, I think it's like the second place smartphone camera. It's only if you want the absolute best, but like they're still leagues ahead uh, of most of the competition. And I would not make my decision based on the fact that there's a second lens, especially since like I- I'm not a fan of Zoom to begin with. So not relying on Zoom or the f- stupid fake bokeh thing is like, sure, whatever. No, fair, but my comment was more like in the lines of saying, if you like the shiny new things and if you're kind of really into photography, yes, the iPhone, the normal size iPhone will get you an awesome camera. But if you want to look at the best thing you can get, the Plus model will always get that. And it's been the third iteration where it's been that. The way I see the, um, the difference on this model is a little different from how I saw it on past models. I think this model, if you buy the iPhone 7, you are literally just getting the iphone camera with a prime lens and if you are buying the 7 plus you are buying a prime and a zoom oh okay i see the distinction you're making right now and Mm -hmm. if you are comfortable shooting on prime lenses there is nothing to game to go plus really um aside from the stupid fake blur thing that i don't want to talk about (laughs) but like i that's the distinction and i'm very comfortable with that distinction and i hope that that stays the distinction going forward because that is something i am comfortable with Okay, saying that prime lenses are only on the normal size phone, and then the shiny new zoom prime, whatever sensor I mean, we add you in get the future. Two primes which act as a zoom, basically. Fair. Uh, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else to add regarding photography? I know we like we're going really fast on it. I think uh, if you want a big like kind of a uh, like the. The big photography fan, just watch Phil. He spent 20 minutes on that, and I think it's more than enough. Uh, but the gist of it is OIS everywhere and the two cameras in the plus. And I think, like Enix said, is, is it, it is a bit gimmicky, uh, but I'm sure that uh, we'll see nice, uh, we'll see interesting articles and reviews in the coming weeks where every year they get a new iPhone. They they send review units to photographers and I'm always impressed on what they do. And then I I cry a bit because I want to do the same and I can't. I believe DP Review has gotten theirs and has started 
posting information about it. So I'm not sure what the deal is there because it seems to be either breaking embargo or they just have a different deal for photography stuff. Um, but I did see some DP review links going up uh, a little before we started recording. So maybe go look at them. Um, Good. I just want to fit in one last thing about the stupid fake blur thing. <laughs> it's totally the fake car motor sound of photography it's to make people feel good but it's not really worth having there i'm sorry phil um i think that the photo that they sort of led the thing with where they said this was taken with a very high-end camera it was very visibly not taken with a high-end camera like there were telltale signs that this was a fake blur image and you could tell. I think that some of the subsequent images they showed were better at hiding it, but I think that the one they led with was particularly bad and obvious. And oh, you like mean the the guy with the glasses. Yeah, I knew ahead of time. Like I was sure he was going to say, and this photo was taken with an iPhone six plus, uh, seven plus, because you could see so clearly that it looked traced around the guy's head more than it looked natural. And I think the other photos looked much better to demo that than the one they led with, which sort of pissed me off. It's funny, though, because I felt the exact opposite. It felt to me that the first photo was amazing, and then the other photos were... You were able to see kind of the, the kind of a weird blurred like, shape around the person's face or head and shoulders, and then you kind of see... like it, Imagine where a line is kind of like the blur is kind of weird and it's like fakey weird. Yeah. And on those pictures, I felt to my eyes that they were like fake, but not the first one. If you have a shitty old iPhone, you can go to the app store and download this app called big lens that gives you similar effects. So there you go. You don't need to buy a new iPhone now. <laughs> Good. Now let's jump into the big removal of this year. Ta ta ta. Okay. Okay, I, I, I'm surprised that you have uh, that, not that much to say about it then. Because... I mean, I've been blogging about it all summer, so I don't, I've sort of gotten all of my stuff out there. Um, I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not upset about this decision. I think it's about time they got rid of the headphone jack. Come on, haters. Yeah, and it, it seems to me that the, I, I think the compelling point that they kind of didn't make, but kind of just throw it and then continue on the courage thing was that, <laughs> They wanted one port to do everything and they already have it. So why keep it? This port had only one function and it was to send audio. And at some point they will run into a limitation where they need one port to do multiple stuff. The same way that they have one port on the Mac Pro, on the MacBook that does It would be really stuff. bad if the Mac Pro had one port. Fair. Um, fair. But, but the Macs also have those one port that done Shit ton of stuff. Like yeah, Thunderbolt definitely. used to be this way. Firewire was used to be this way. And I think it is kind of Apple's motto. Like one port does everything. Yeah. Before we get into the wireless stuff, I do have some bit of skepticism for the whole lightning headphones thing. And to a certain degree, it doesn't matter because it's clear that Apple doesn't believe that lightning is really the future for audio because they are pushing wireless very, very hard. And we're going to talk about that. Um, but... I have had so many lightning cables shit on me <laughs> that I don't think it's a reliable port, which is sad to say, because I think like it's clear that in every other way, it's superior to the 30 pin connector that we've been dealing with for like 11 years prior to the prior to lightning's invention. Um, 
the problem is 30 pin ports were very reliable despite not looking that way and lightning connectors i don't know what they do to them but they break all the time oh really because i never had a bad connector problem with lightning though so i have had the connectors that have sort of a hardware virus thing where some of the pins get like blue which is really strange and you basically have to like exterminate every device in your house that has the blue things because it starts contaminating your other cables it is very strange um so that is the thing that i have heard many people complain about with lightning i also just have like the connectors fall off the cable after a while of time and like a couple months ago i had to buy all new cables because i had no remaining lightning cables and like i had a bunch of lightning enabled uh devices that came with cables and I also bought extra cables when I got my first iPhone that had lightning cables and they all died basically. And I had to buy like a bunch of new cables off of Amazon basics basically because I was, I, I didn't want to buy the Apple ones because the Apple ones were the ones I had and they proved to be completely unreliable. Um, but I've heard similar stories about third party cables as well. So it seems to be just be like a connector issue, which pisses me off because they can't really fix that without making a new connector. And then people will bitch. Of course they will. Which means they have to go with wireless charging, and then we need no ports anymore. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Next year, next year. Yeah, maybe. Okay, uh, we'll come back a bit on the AirPods, but before we jump into that, let's talk about Apple Pay, because it was a big, 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 big event for you, Yannick, and then it Actually... was a big, 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 big disappointment after the event. Well, there's that. I, I still have one thing to mention about Lightning. Oh, um, go on. I think the most interesting audio product in the entire keynote is not actually wireless, which is strange. Um, it is the JBL Reflect Aware headphones, which were mentioned for like five seconds in the keynote. And they are lightning enabled uh, headphones, which are noise canceled. And as someone who goes on very long plane trips occasionally, I like the idea of having noise canceled headphones that are powered by the phone and don't require batteries of their own to be charged. And that is precisely what they do over Lightning. And I think that's a really interesting product. And if I had a little bit more money, maybe I would buy those for my Japan trip. It, it feels to me that it removes the only downside of uh, noise canceling headphones. Which is having to charge another battery. And it's also a downside that basically Bluetooth headphones have, which we're going to talk about after we talk about Apple Bay. Yes. So yeah, Apple Pay. Um, they announced that they are going to be introducing Apple Pay in more countries, but the big one they showcased during the event is Japan. And we are big fans of Japan and also mobile payments and also Apple Pay here on the show. So I am going to be giving you all of the super great infos uh, about this. First of all, I need to thank uh, listener Richard in the UK, who was spamming my phone with notifications about all of the awesome... Uh, mobile payments related stuff during the event uh, i couldn't actually watch a look at them until after the event because i was streaming the event on my phone and i had it on do not disturb because otherwise my phone keeps vibrating non-stop because everyone is messaging me about all the stuff that's being announced um but yes uh so they as rumored uh japanese apple pay is coming it is going to be supporting the felica standard if you want to if you want to know more about the Felica standard, I would like to refer you to our episode two about mobile payments in Japan. Yes, yes. Um, we have talked about it way too fucking much over the last two years. Um, <laughs> but we are going to talk about it some more because it's going to be supported in the iPhone. And I think there are some interesting notes. Um, 
The first one, of course, which pisses me off, uh, and you hinted at this, is that it's only going to be in iPhones and Apple Watches sold in Japan and not outside, uh, which I'm... means I can't actually buy anything here to take with me to Japan that supports mobile payments in, in Japan, which pisses me off. I seriously want to know why they're doing it this way. Yeah, I really don't know about this. There are also people in Taiwan who are very upset because Taiwan also uses Felica-based mobile payments, although they are different services based on top of Felica. And this basically means that if Taiwan gets Apple Pay at some point and they want to integrate with the services over there, everyone in Taiwan who wants to use Apple Pay with those services is going to have to buy a new phone because their phones are not going to have the chip on board. And it's not like hybrid chipsets don't exist. Like the Nexus S had that, and that was like in 2010. It, it was old technology. You can say it. That's okay. Yeah, like the Nexus S was the first Android phone to ship with NFC, and it had, uh, well, it might not be the first first, but it was the first Nexus phone to ship with NFC, and it had a hybrid head, uh, chipset. So it's not really unheard of and it's sort of commonplace even in most android phones so i'm not sure why you would cheap out and just not put the felica chip there it seems very very strange to me um but anyway so yeah so that's happening i hope one day we can consolidate the SKUs into one and then everybody can be happy that when they go to japan they can use felica and it's cool um it seems to be working with suica which again suica is the big uh the big mobile payment system, which is owned by the Japanese rail company in the East. Um, and it is interoperable as of very recently with basically every other mobile payment system in Japan uh, with regards to trains. Um, so that's cool. I'm not sure how many of the other services are supported because I have been so busy that I haven't actually had the time to read all the documentation, but it seems to be mostly Suica. Um, one the, the the rest the rest of the thing they mentioned was mostly like Japanese bank and Japanese kind of debit card. Yeah, but that's like yeah, okay, that sounds okay. Um, no, no, but what I meant is there's I think the only the big push they did for mobile payments was the Felica technology, and that would be it. The yeah. rest is mostly like NFC typical, like the typical NFC based solution that we know. Yeah, okay, that's that sounds reasonable. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, so there is a strange thing, though, and that is due to the implementation details of how they are doing mobile Suica. And this is, again, it's an established standard that Apple has to adhere adhere to, which is sort of different. And it means they can't really do all of their fancy stuff with this is you can only have a Suica card bound to one device, which means you can't have the same Suica card on your watch and on your phone. You can only have one on your phone and you can have a different one on your watch or you can just put the one you use on your watch or it's not as clean of an experience let's say as just having your credit card loaded on both your phone and your watch because these are cards that can only live in one place really and this is how the standard has always been for uh, mobile suica so it's not anything special to the iphone but it still kind of sucks um and I guess that the, tra- the the there's no kind of transfer transferring system or the transfer if you were to transfer it from I don't know why but from your phone to another phone or from your phone to a watch is kind of a bit painful to do. Uh, no, I think the the transfer process isn't the hard part. I think the the restriction is the hard part because you can only have it on one device. I don't think transferring from one device to another is necessarily the problem. 
Okay, I see. Um, one sweet thing, though, is you can charge... Well, <laughs> this is the weird thing. Uh, if your Suica card is tied to your iPhone, you can charge your Suica card via your thumbprint, which is much more convenient than having to line up at a kiosk and putting your card inside the machine and then forgetting your card inside the machine and being very confused when the gate doesn't open and then you accidentally walk through the gate anyway and then someone talks to you in a very stern tone of voice asking what the hell you're doing and then you're like whoa shit i don't have my card in my wallet not that that would happen to anybody but (laughs) it is a thing that could could theoretically happen seems that somebody experienced that you know i don't know (laughs) okay but 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 exactly like what i meant by that is so if what do you mean like what happens when you put your thumb? It's just like you put your thumb and that's it? Or it's more like a typical, like when you want to recharge? When you, you want to recharge, you can use your thumbprint to basically authenticate a payment using your credit card that is tied to your iTunes account or to Apple Pay. And yeah, so, so it's using Apple Pay to the account. Yeah, so, but it's using Apple Pay to recharge your card, which. Yeah, because again, it. like for those who don't remember, we're back to episode two. Suica is basically a prepaid card that you load money onto. So when you want to recharge your card, you can use Apple Pay within the wallet app to basically charge up your Suica card. Oh, okay. That's neat. Really neat. So yes, it's like it a one-click option and then that's done. And I imagine most people will just have it on auto charge anyway, because I think that's sort of the common thing to do in Japan. But yep. So that's pretty much it for Apple Pay news with regards to Japan. Good. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about regarding the new iPhone is the new chip and especially the uh, the improved battery life. Uh, the new chip wait, has wait, wait, like wait, 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 wait. We're not talking about the earbuds. Later. Oh, later. Okay, okay. Go ahead. Just uh, okay. Um, the new chip um has kind of four cores right now. Yes, it's four cores and two of kind of the high and power one and two low power, uh, low consumption chip that seems to be switching from one to, to the other and if we were to do car analogy again because Yannick just did the uh, car stereo <laughs> stuff it seems to me that it's like a, those like V8 motors that like shut off some uh, cylinders on the highway to save gas some it seems to be the equivalent of that for uh, CPUs so it means also that the iPhone 7 battery is as good as the iPhone 6s plus battery so Apple announced that you get on average, two more hours of battery life on a typical iPhone uh, 7 as compared to the iPhone 6. And uh, 7 Plus will get one hour more battery life compared to the 6S Plus. And if you look at the number, that's why you see that the 6S Plus battery is about the same as the 7 Plus regarding Apple tests. So it's something I'm really interested to see in the wild, see with people loading all of their apps and all of the Facebook uh, running in the background and seeing if they're able to see those numbers. Because we know that the Plus model has been a great advantage for battery usage and for user that needs a shit ton of power and shit ton of battery throughout the day. And if we are able to get that same battery size or same consumption of energy throughout the day on a normal phone, a normal size phone, it would make the new iPhone really interesting. And if it somehow isn't enough for you, you can also buy a weird battery hump case like for the iPhone 6S because they yes. have made one. 
Yes, exactly. They updated it. And I think they just made the camera all a bit bigger because that's the gist of the iPhone 7. It's the same design. And I think that's the only thing we didn't mention. It's the same design. It's the tweak for a third time design of the iPhone 6 design. Do you have anything else to add regarding the new iPhone? The phone itself? No, not really. Go. Cool. So let's move to the, into the AirPods. Okay. Well, it's AirPods plus the Beats, right? Yes, yes. Uh, why we say it's plus the Beats? Because uh, Apple developed one new, they call it the W1 chip, which is supposedly a better wireless chip that is like all of the downside of Bluetooth, that, that fixes all of the downsides of Bluetooth and like this connection and all of that stuff. And they're also sharing that technology with their Beats division. Yes, which is and very that, interesting. Yes, because that would be the first time that Apple's create new technology that is also shared with Beats. Yeah, if you don't count like the the colored versions of the solo headphones that they made last year to go with the rose gold iPhone. Fair, but that's not shared technology. It's not right? really technology. Yeah, it's just exactly. color coding. Exactly. And uh, also what is interesting regarding the Beats lineup is they have different style of either earphones or just earbuds uh, that will also get this technology. So it goes from the big Solo 3 Yeah, Solo 3 wireless, Powerbeats 3 wireless, which are sport headphones. And there's Beats X, which is, quote, affordable at 180 Canadian dollars, which is kind of not that affordable, but okay. And yeah, in comparison, and- earpods are $220. Yes, which is funny because in US dollars, from what I've seen, it's like a $10 difference when they yeah, say uh, it, it's, it's ca- It surprised me. So uh, for us, it's like more, what, $40? You said yep, like what, $40 oh. off. Hmm. Then, oh, then it makes the Beats X really interesting. Well, it's interesting if you can handle the Beats audio profile, which I cannot. Yeah, that would be the, my main, my main <laughs> gripe. If we go back on to the AirPods, uh, like Nick mentioned, they are wireless headphones. Uh, they were wireless earbuds, and they are in the same shape as the earbuds that we have right now. It's just that these are. It seems to me that they're a bit taller. To uh, like the stem ca- is longer because it has to fit. Well, the presumably battery. battery and also antennas and stuff. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever the hell the microphones are called. It basically sort of like the like some microphones, except uh, the Amazon Echo microphones, except tiny. Yeah, and it's something that I really found funny about them is they don't have any buttons on them. The only thing it can trigger is Siri. And do you remember the last thing, the last time an iPod what that what happened when an iPod was voice driven? Yeah, the iPod Shuffle, right? Yes. And then the generation after, they changed it back, they added button back because people hated it. So, yes, it's, it was not Siri. Uh, some people might say, yes, really, yes, it was not Siri. It was better than Siri. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't judge on that. But to me, uh, using the small click remote on the current earbuds makes me strange to just say, like, play, pause, stop to Siri. And obviously, since uh, most of the listening that I do is through application audio application and SiriKit doesn't support won't support uh, audio application yet uh, this means that the Siri integration is only for Apple Music which I don't well that that's not entirely true like general playback controls are tied to Siri regardless of the application you're using 
Oh, okay. Okay, so you so still like can anything save... that's in control center or on the lock screen that you can interact with, you can also do from Siri. So like you can skip ahead thirty seconds in a podcast app, for example, using Siri, and it works fine. Yeah, the problem I had is that every time I say like play, Siri is like, oh, playing something random in Apple Music. I'm like, no, yeah, I just said okay. play. Yeah, I just said play. So maybe it's like restart what I w- what was playing before, like more general, and not less like let's start like a robot to the voice command system. So uh, yeah, uh, like you said, it's not cheap, but to me, uh, it's kind of in the prices of wireless headphones. Mm. Well, I'm really curious to see like how people enjoy the sound quality on these things because if they're just like normal earpods hooked up to like wireless. That's not particularly good enough in my vision. Like that, that's the problem I have with all of these W1 enabled headphones is I don't think I'd enjoy the audio on any of them. And it's not because like I'm a huge audio snob or anything. Like the Bluetooth headphones I'm using now are 30 bucks and they just have like a better sounding audio profile than the earpods or beats headphones that do to me. So it, it doesn't need to be like crazy magic. It's just that. I can't really say I would enjoy the sound on any of these headphones and they're way too expensive for me to buy them if I'm not going to enjoy the sound that's coming out of them, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I get that. And I think that would be kind of my... It is right now my only worry. is like, do they bring better sound quality than the earbuds? Uh, do they bring somewhat of the same like sound quality as the Apple in-ears that were a bit better, as far as I remember? Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you regarding not sound quality but more like all of these like wireless claims is yes I did uh, bitch a lot regarding Bluetooth and Apple in past episodes and in past OS update but these days I rarely have connectivity issues with my Bluetooth speaker which is by the way uh, Logitech UA UE boom of the first generation. Uh, obviously, uh, Tony and I share it a lot uh, these days, and if you were to use it, I sometimes when I start it back, I yes, I need to go in settings, uh, but I don't need to pair it. I just like see it in my in my my device section, so I just need to press on it again, and it redoes the connection, and it, it connects back again. And for me, yes, I see that if it's always connected, magically connected, that's okay, but I don't see that as a problem that I need to just press. Okay, send audio to the Bluetooth speaker because that's the only thing I see. Like, I, they never or well, I think they will be said it. I never had any issues with audio connectivity. The only time I have like weird audio go- going out, coming out of the speakers, is when the battery starts to be low. So that's kind of my indication that when the audio quality drops and the and the speaker is not like telling me charge me, it's yeah. It's kind of time to charge it, and then it comes. It just comes back after like fifteen to twenty minutes of charging. Yep. What um, is your oh. oh? What is your current experience with your Bluetooth headphones? So first of all, I should preface this by saying that the right side on the Bluetooth earbuds I was using like died a month ago, so I haven't been using them recently. But um, aside from that, I mean, I mean, the, the headset has about the same lifetime that most headphones have with me, which is like nine months um, which I, I hate that all my earbuds die after nine months but i've gotten used to it this is why i don't buy expensive earbuds because they die after nine months anyway um but yeah so i've been using empow swift earbuds which are literally some random shit i found on amazon but they were rated highly and 
honestly, I don't have that many bad things to say about it. I mean, they're comfortable. Um, they do a good job of shutting out sound from the outside, which is useful when I'm working because we have a bunch of customer service people sitting on the other side of the desks we're at. So that's not necessarily the, we have that. And we also have like a giant envelope folding machine, which is very, very, very loud. Um, so it's very useful to block out that sound connectivity wise. I'll have maybe like seven seconds of audio drop a day. Like that is, it's worse than what you would have with wired headphones, which is to say that audio will never drop, Mm -hmm. but it's reasonable. Um, The thing that pisses me off most about the whole Bluetooth experience right now is pairing to multiple devices. And I think that is what the W1 chip excels at because you just put the AirPods near your phone and then via iCloud, which is a huge asterisk because sometimes (laughs) iCloud doesn't work, but if it works, um, iCloud magically propagates the pairing information to all of your other devices and also handles dynamically handing off the audio to whichever device is actively playing, uh, which is neat. Yeah, and speaking of iCloud pairing, I think I won't insert a rant about iCloud here, but hopefully um, this syncing of the pairing keys via iCloud will fall into the category of iCloud products that were shipped recently that works like magic. I mean, I'm hoping it works like handoff because that would make sense. And handoff works very reliably to me. I just never have to use it because it's very rare that I actually want to open something on another device. But it's always there and it always works. It's just I never have to use it. Fair. Uh, I think the last thing I would say is uh, that's the product that excited the most. Like, remember the, I think it was last, was a year ago when Apple announced the, yeah, it was a year ago when Apple announced the iPad Pro 12 inch, right? Yeah. So it, it was also on this event that they announced the USB-C to lightning connector. Yes. When you were excited by our power bricks. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. So, which I still haven't purchased, but I probably should. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I'm really wanting to try those. I'm sadly, I don't think I will be able to try them in store before uh, buying them because uh, what we've seen from a journalist that in the demo area they were giving them like candies. <laughs> so they, they, from what I've heard, they they used to have like cocktail trays full of AirPods and they were like hanging it out to journalists so they were able to try them. And when you're done, they would like, put it back on the tray and they would exit the room like trash. Wow. I yeah. hope they're not actually trashing those. I hope too, too, but who knows? I mean, it's probably the most optimal thing to do for those kinds of events, but it doesn't inspire confidence. Um, one thing we have not mentioned and is sort of the buzz about the earpods on Twitter is the fact that they are not tethered together. How do you oh, feel right. about that? Oh, right. Uh, that's, that was the only point I wrote that I didn't mention. It's, uh, and my statement is, I'm sure people will lose them. Yeah, it's like Apple Pencil Cap quality of easy to lose. Um, or maybe even just the Apple Pencil itself is actually pretty easy to lose. Um, but yeah, at $110 an ear, I would not want to lose those earbuds. Oh, and especially if you lose one, you need to buy an old pair again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is definitely a concern and I would not want to like be in a crowded train in Tokyo and one of them pops out of my ear and goodbye. I will never see you ever again. Although that is mostly the case if you drop anything in one of those trains. 
fair. Uh, I've already seen a case manufacturer that is creating a cord yes. to connect them together. It's already out. I I think so too. I think so, they opened pre-orders today, but yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, maybe that. But uh, yeah, uh, there people will solve uh, this problem the same way they solve the headphone jack problem by ch- like sh- selling an adapter to make you use your lightning to headphone jack adapter and also charging your phone. Yep. Uh, last thing I, I oh my goodness, I think I've blinked out on most of my points for the AirPods. But last thing we didn't mention is the battery life of them. So Apple is saying it's. <laughs> It's five hours of listening time. Yep. But the interesting part is the case is also a battery. And it's also the charging, the charging station. And charging them for 15 minutes gives you three hours of listening time. A bit like when you like quick charge the Apple Pencil inside of your iPad. And the Beats headphones appear to be similar, except they're claiming uh, five minutes gives you two hours. Huh. Okay. And if I recall correctly, those would charge via lightning? Yes, which is very strange to see lightning charging on, well, I say a non-Apple product, but non-Apple branded product, let's say. No, you're right. And I think it comes back to Beats finally starting to use Apple technology. Yeah. For real. And if it makes, and I think that's why it makes kind of Beats, not better, but different from its competition because they will be able to have better integration with Apple devices. One thing I would like to see for those Beats headphones and something that might push me over to their camp, even though I don't really stand the audio profile, is if they made lightning to lightning cables and you could use the Beats as lightning uh, earphones while they're charging. That would be pretty cool. Um, but I'm not sure about that. Like you could charge it off of the phone, maybe. I'm not sure how much battery the headphones take up, but I can't imagine it's that much with regards to the whole iPhone battery. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Um, it's also like those, like uh, oh crap, uh, the those uh, headphones you just mentioned, the uh, the Bose, no, the the JBL, JBL yeah. yeah, the JBL, yeah. I wonder what is the battery effect on your phone. Hopefully it's minimal, the same way that the keyboard is minimal on the iPad. Yeah. Good. I think it's time for a conclusion time regarding the Apple event. <laughs> and the big reveal of what we are buying or have purchased. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I think it was a good Apple event. I think uh, most of the stuff we sort of knew ahead of time, which is disappointing, but this is the post-Mark Gurman world. We are going to have everything spoiled ahead of time. And yeah, not that many surprises are going to happen. I think Series 1 is kind of a surprise, although uh, there were conflicting reports and people were not too sure about what to believe because there were... Uh, like, some people were saying they were going to update the initial model with a minor spec boost, and some were saying that they were going to swim-proof it. And basically... Nobody could agree about which report was correct, and it turns out that both were correct because they were doing two new models, really, even though it's sort of a minor update to the original model. Um, So, yeah, I sort of miss the days when you were legitimately surprised at Apple events, and it seems like it's happening less and less. And I think the last big reveal that was surprising was really more the Apple Watch unveil because everybody knew they were making a watch, but they weren't sure what the watch was going to be like. And similarly to the iPhone event, like everybody in the room knew there was going to be an iPhone. They just didn't know what the iPhone was going to be like. And I think like 
pretty much the only exciting Apple product reveals, like really exciting Apple product reveals that are going to be coming are going to be either software because they have like that. uh, The secrecy on that stuff is pretty shut tight or it's going to be entirely new categories, but you're not really going to see it in like incremental or like model redesigns that are really surprising because everything sort of has to go through the supply chain and the supply chain will spoil everything and make it less fun. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think I would limit that to just software these days and maybe partnerships with other companies. But even yeah. then, I, I think everything you mentioned that it was not art, that was not software, I put that on kind of a second level and then like updates to current hardware is on a third level where you're expected to be leaked. You're expected to know in advance what will happen during the event. You'll know the specs. You don't know the story, which putting the hardware story will be on the second step, or maybe this, depending on which hardware it would be first or second level. But these days, if you expect to be surprised by the hardware, sadly, that's time, that time has passed. It, it's actually really surprising to me that the Nintendo thing didn't get spoiled ahead of time neither did the pokemon go thing oh i'm surprised too and i think and the nike plus thing yeah i think apple made sure that those don't get leaked like nintendo is particularly these days uh a leak target like a lot of stuff leaks ahead of time which is sort of worrying for nintendo and they managed to keep that one shut tight which is really good for them good uh what about max (laughs) <laughs> what max uh, exactly uh hopefully we'll have an apple event in uh, october i think personally that's what i'm waiting the for for the most this year is updated max um i'm started to kind of think about maybe upgrading my personal computer i don't know if i'll do it or not i'm still thinking about that obviously i'll waiting for new hardware to do to start that thinking first i think we should have an episode about that Fair, uh, we could do that. But my current thinking is my iMac won't be able to run Sierra, so I need to do something. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm not surprised though, but no Apple TV news. I think uh, the Apple TV story has been uh, described uh, in large during the previous events, and I don't think Apple had anything anything else to add. The only thing we we saw after the event was, I think now the third generation is fully discontinued. Oh, is They're, that the case? Oh. I think they are doing that. I think it's now discontinued and the only one you can buy is the new one with application, hmm. which would seem uh, not surprising to me at this point. Um, obviously, we'll expect people to bitch about the headphone jack. I don't think we'll be part of that camp because uh, I will be part of the camp that says if it's part, if the headphones are in the box are lightning, I'll just use the one in the box. I would obviously it uh, might be a bit painful in the first few months because I'll still have my old pairs. But I think uh, if the one in the box are the right way, I should be uh, okay. And obviously, I think I'll keep uh, our listener posted about if I buy the AirPods and maybe we should be able to do a review of them. I will have something to add about the headphone jack during the PS4 event part of the show, which is probably not what you were expecting at all. No. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. But I think before we go to the PS4 event, which was right right after the Apple event, we need to talk about your buying decision, which you talked on your blog two Mondays ago or one Monday ago? It was two weeks ago, yeah. Two weeks ago, okay. 
So yeah, it was just before we published the uh, last episode. Right. So I ordered an iPhone SE. Oh, you did. Right. So, and I think it's supposed to arrive to your place tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yes. So when this episode will be out, Tinnik will be rocking a new phone. And uh, if I recall correctly, the main reason why you decided to go SE is the following. You ate the current design of the iPhone 6 and including 7 now. You can't, you ate this, you really ate this design. You feel that the 4.7 inch phone is too big for you and you feel the pressure that the SE might be the real last four inch device so you just like jump in the boat right now and make sure that uh, you don't wait too much because the hardware might get old fast so as far as I can tell the iPhone SE is outselling the iPhone 7 oh well the iPhone 6s plus 3 to 1 oh, that's that's expected though because it's the, t- the cheapest model. so they Yeah, can, like... well, it's hard to tell how much of that is legitimate dissatisfaction about the larger iPhone models and how much of that is people buying it because it's a cheap model. Um, I know way too many people who have bought iPhone SEs and love it so much. Like, it is their favorite iPhone ever. And, like, these are tech-savvy people who would be buying the flagships if they believed in the flagships, and they have lost confidence in the flagship iPhones. And I am one of those people. So I'm going to go with a model that I believe reflects my values best. I think it's sort of... I'm still a little bit conflicted because I would like to have the shiny new processor and all of that stuff, and I think that the SE should be on the yearly cycle like the 7 and 7 Plus are, because I think that the choice of size of the phone should not have to be a compromise for specs or the quality of the experience. Um, naturally, there's some stuff like where you can't fit certain things into a smaller case. So, like, I would probably imagine the camera would have to be compromised in some way. Um, but I think the entire phone market is doing people who like compact phones a disservice by pretending that this category doesn't exist. When clearly it does exist because people are buying the iPhone SE in crazy numbers and they love it to bits. And I'm going to vote with my wallet. And the it also helps that the iPhone 7 that I would be buying if I had the money for it is literally twice the price of the one I paid for. Oh, yeah. Uh, Can- the, oh, yeah. The Canadian dollar is still shit. Yeah. And, the uh, exchange rate is complete trash. And it would cost me a thousand... $100 for the 128 gig iPhone 7. Yeah, and just to give you, I was looking at those numbers. I People at work are looking, since every time, uh, since it's a new iPhone, some people at work are looking to get a new phone and they are trying to kind of weigh in whether they just buy it on contract or just buy it outright. And a colleague was looking for this like middle tier of the flagship in capacity and to give an example, last year when I bought my uh, iPhone 6s, it was one like nearly fourteen hundred dollars, tax included and all included. Yes, it included Apple Care, but I remember paying nearly half of that for uh, my 4s. The price you mentioned, a thousand four hundred dollars. I bought a laptop with that, like in ten years ago. Exactly, too. <laughs> An like, iPhone G3. Uh, I, uh, iBook G3. Yeah, and like I said, I Before. do remember buying my 4S 
which was maybe not half of it, but nearly half, because it was maybe like eight fifty tax included, maybe nine hundred. And like this is sort of the discomfort I have as an Apple fan, because I think that Apple products are generally worth the amount that you pay for them in terms of what they give you relative to the cheaper offerings that people usually go for if they are more, I'm going to say, value-minded. I don't mean it in a derogatory sense, even though a lot of people have that feeling about Apple users. Um, like, you can buy a $400 laptop. It's something that a lot of people do. I would not consider buying a laptop under $1,400 because I think that, like, you, that is about the sweet spot for an Apple laptop if you are going to start buying an Apple laptop. Like, $1,400, you are probably getting something solid that is mid-range in, like, a MacBook Air. Uh, like, <laughs> not nowadays. I, I'm I'm speaking, like, back when we were at Barry, oh, which no, is no, never no. going to happen again. No, no, no. <laughs> nowadays, my sister-in-law just bought a MacBook Air, and I told her to wait, but since we didn't know what happened with Max at this event, she needed one for school now. So and she I know bought... a bunch of people who buy laptops for school because they were... They had to, like, they're starting school now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It pisses me off. It pisses me off, too. But she was like, eh, I don't care. That's okay. We'll... She, the, the only ask question she asked me if we, we do a small tension is, like, will I be able to keep it? Like, will it be good for the next four years? I was like, no. yes. <laughs> Wait, what? For, for her, yes. Oh, for her. Okay. Yes. Okay. Like, to go on Facebook, to do Word at, at the school, print some shit, read some PDF documents, watch a couple of Flash videos because like online courses oh, and i know i know but at least i installed chrome for that no i don't install chrome flash. is not gonna support flash soon <laughs> oh crap really chrome has joined the league of people who are against flash but uh yeah okay whatever but yeah to go back to my point i'm sure she paid as much for a fucking new macbook air 13 inch the base model oh, as yeah. much as i paid for my fucking iphone yeah yeah, yeah. uh so yeah i I mean, like, I normally believe that Apple products are worth what you pay for. This exchange rate is so bad that I am reconsidering that notion just because it is so outrageously expensive to buy these products. And, like, I feel for people who are in countries that have disadvantages uh, exchange rates now all of a sudden because now I know what it's like. And it really sucks when you love these products. And... I mean, I I am blessed to have like a really good job right now in terms of payment that I could afford these phones, but it's just out of principle. I can't bring myself to do it because I know the value I'm getting out of it is not what I'm paying for. No, and let's be honest, I think uh, maybe a bit more offline, but you did mention quite a lot in the last two years that, yes, you bought the iPhone 6, but you never quite enjoyed the iPhone 6 like any of their iPhones you own. I hate the iPhone 6. It is the first iPhone I actually hate using. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say that personally, but that's fine if you don't like it. And I'm happy for you like, that I, you're still able to get the kind of a new offering, quote-unquote. I said this in my blog post that I cannot wait for my new phone to... Well, I didn't say for my new phone to get here, but I can't wait to get a new phone just so I never have to look at this phone again. I hate looking at this phone and seeing this phone and like i look at the back of it and i see the damage that's there for like basic usage that no other iphone i have used like i've thrown iphones into walls you have seen this well it was an ipod <laughs> I touch did. but i did you have seen me like throw ios devices against the walls accidentally because i'm a cl- clumsy motherfucker and it's like 
those devices were like fine and like i just put the iphone 6 in my pocket for two years and it, the entire back is damaged and it pisses me off and like i don't want to look at that phone i think that phone is also where i got all of my ios 9 battery issues which gruber is also getting now which is funny um and like I have, I can, like, the first month was really, like, the month I enjoyed this phone, and then it sort of all went downhill from there. And, like, there are things I really enjoy about this phone, but they don't make up for the amount of, like, dislike I have for this phone. I really hate this phone, and it pisses me off, and I liked the iPhone 5 better, and I think I probably should have stayed with the iPhone 5 for the entire two years. Like, it... I probably should have waited for the SE, even though, like, it wasn't even given at that point that there was going to be an SE. But, like, I really dislike this phone, and I can't wait to get rid of it, and I really can't wait until tomorrow for my shiny new old phone to get here. Nice. And we'll end this episode on the last event, which we'll do quickly, because, to be honest, though, the PlayStation event was quick. Yeah, it was quick, and it was a train wreck. So that happened. So, so from my heard, from what I heard, I'll be honest. I I know you haven't watched, but you follow game news more than I do. So from what I heard, we they announced a PS4 Slim, which is the current PS4 hardware in a slim version, and they announced the PS4 Pro. So I'll be honest with you. Will I regret my buying my PS4 only a year ago? And question number two with will be will it change something in my PS4 gaming life, which I gladly enjoy. I think you're fine. I think I'm fine. I think neither of us have really a reason to buy the PS4 Pro. Hmm. Okay. Why is that? It's built on two pillars, really. Um, so the first is 4K experience, and the second is HDR, which, I mean, all PS4s are getting HDR capability with a software update, apparently. So the, you don't really have to buy it, but if you really want the best experience, 4K plus HDR, they are really pushing this PlayStation 4 Pro. I don't have a 4K display. I don't have an HDR display. And the other thing is, um, like, games can offer enhanced frame rates and enhanced graphics on um, in 1080p, basically, if you're playing on a 1080p display. Uh, the problem is, I mostly play online games, and the terms and conditions for releasing games on PlayStation 4 Pro say that you can't actually offer better frame rates in multiplayer games because that would give an unfair advantage to PlayStation 4 Pro users. Hmm, interesting. So this means that basically, like, they, it, there can't be a release version of Destiny that offers 60 FPS gameplay on, um, on PlayStation 4 Pro, even though it runs at 30 FPS elsewhere, because it would give them basically twice the amount of visual information, in quotes, um, that other players have, and would give them an unfair advantage. Um, it also depends on whether or not your game treats uh, input on the display refresh rate because like certain games will treat inputs in synchronization with the display refresh rate and some will just do it in the background and then draw whatever is relevant at the refresh rate and manage those things separately. Um, and if they're tied, that means that you have controls that are twice as responsive, which is sort of also unfair. Um, so as someone who mainly plays multiplayer games on the PS4, I would see basically no advantage except maybe prettier graphics. So so the gist of it is they added more performance capabilities and graphics capabilities to support 4K gaming. Yes. And I think that 
it's not native 4k certain games have native 4k in fact i believe only one game that was shown as the, at the press conference has native 4k mode which is the last of us remastered everything else as far as i can tell is running either 1440p or 1800p upscaled to 4k with a very clever upscaling technique called 4x4 checkerboard which performs extremely well and gives very very good high quality results um, which is nice if you have a 4K display. It's much better than any of the other upscaling techniques I've seen so far. Um, and uh, friends of the show, Digital Foundry, have been incredibly impressed at what they've seen of the PS4 Pro's uh, graphics quality on a 4K and HDR display. Um, for those of you who are a little less versed in what HDR means in a television context... Um, most displays have a fairly fixed contrast ratio between the darkest and the brightest parts of the image. So everything, all of that visual information is compressed into that uh, contrast ratio. And what HDR panels allow you to do is they have a much, much higher overall brightness. You're not going to use it all the time, of course, because otherwise you're just going to go blind. But it gives it a much, much higher possible contrast ratio so you can express wider ranges of light that way and you so a good example of this is they were showing um that zombie game that i don't remember the name of uh that looks really bad but it looks like a cool visual demo uh it's a nighttime scene and there is a field full of zombies and they throw a molotov cocktail and basically the completely dark scene lights up um in in flame that would look absolutely stunning on an HDR display because that is a very, very high contrast scene and you have a much higher contrast ratio to express that scene in so it looks more natural to your eyes. Um, one of the complaints about the event that there was was that they were trying to demo and show off HDR, but everybody watching at home doesn't have an HDR display. And there's another issue with this, which is they never actually put HDR video out for download after the event. Because streaming HDR, I don't even know how you'd do that. But there's the other issue that they didn't even put downloadable media on their website in HDR for people to watch on their HDR TVs to see what the visuals look like in HDR, which is sort of an issue. Um, and that's sort of the issue with the entire event that made it such a train wreck, is everything they were trying to sell people on about the PS4's visual acuity could not be expressed in how they were streaming it because they were streaming it in 1080p. The... 4K video you could download after the event was not in HDR and was also heavily compressed to the point where it looked terrible. Mm, to save on bandwidth, my guess is. Yeah, so there's no way to actually get the PS4 Pro experience on your display. First of all, the 4K footage, since it's very low bitrate, it doesn't look good on 4K display. And there's no HDR, so you can't convey the HDR part of it. So people ended up being very, very disappointed in what they saw of the PS4 Pro. Whereas people who were at the event live in person watching on these Sony panels that were HDR and 4K enabled were blown away by what they saw. And it's that disconnect between those two things that is making the PS4 Pro a very hard sell. First of all, you need to have the TV for it. If you don't have the TV for it, you're not going to see those benefits and there's no point in really buying it, really. And it's funny because the only other news that I've kind of watched a bit regarding this launch is um, right now Sony, another division of Sony is kind of doing a big push on their kind of update on Blu-rays to support 4K. Oh, yeah, I forgot and about that. They're like, oh, yeah, everything will work on 4K uh, except Blu-rays. Yeah. Which is crazy to me. The company that fucking makes Blu-rays, the company that made Blu-rays on the map with the PS3 and 
Well, it's even worse than that. They're positioning this as like, this is the entertainment box to put in your living room for 4K and HDR content. And then they're not going to support the 4K and HDR content that is available on Blu-ray when you have a fucking Blu-ray drive in the thing because the games come on Blu-ray. Exactly. And especially what boggles me more is it's the fucking manufacturer of Blu-ray. Like, if Microsoft was like, oh, yeah, we do 4K, but we don't support Blu-ray 4K, that wouldn't surprise me because <laughs> yeah, but they the, were forced to support Blu-ray. But the Xbox because... One S has UHD Blu-ray support. And it's the slim Xbox One. It's not even the big one, the upgraded I know, one. Which it's is really super crazy. Big. Yeah. And uh, the on their uh, blog post, they kind of uh, released the FAQ and they said, oh, we... We want to focus the PS4 on gaming, which contradict, uh, contradicts another uh, question, which is related, like, what what type of 4K content should I get? And it's like, oh, you can get all of the streaming 4K <laughs> content. It's like, yes, but right now nobody is fucking streaming 4K. Well, yes, someone like... is streaming 4K. It's Sony because they've been trying for three years to get people to sign up to their 4K streaming service. And oh, I guess if they don't support Blu-ray, they're going to be pushing people towards their streaming service. Yeah, Netflix is uh, is streaming uh, 4K, yes, and some like nice nature video on YouTube you can get will also be supporting 4K. But in general, nobody right now is streaming 4K. Yeah. So, okay, so that's uh, interesting. But uh, I have a I had a note about the headphone jack, and that is, oh. um, it doesn't actually have to do with a headphone jack on a PS4 port because there is no headphone jack. There is an optical out jack on the current ps4 however the slim does not and the pro does not so that mm. means that stuff like my headset which i used uh when we were recording the uh the division episode that entire mix amp setup is basically no longer working unless you use a breakout box to get optical audio out of your hdmi so oh that my. so that is a thing and i think a lot of people who have similar headsets are going to be very angry about this change because it's something that the people who would be buying the PlayStation 4 Pro to get the best gaming experience are likely to have. <laughs> so that's sort of strange. Um, and the other thing is... Uh, so they're in a way, they're pulling the same strategy as Apple did for the latest Apple TV. Yeah, but the difference is you're not plugging a headset into your Apple TV to play games with people, whereas lots of gamers do, especially for multiplayer games. But still, you might be playing your Apple TV and your PS4 into a fancy like audio system. Yeah, that too. Um, but um, the thing I realized yesterday when I was writing a blog post about the headphone jack is I was going to say in my blog post, well, I never ever use the headphone jack on my phone. And then I realized like there's an auxiliary cable between my mix amp when I'm playing on the PS4 and my iPhone when I'm listening to podcasts through the thing. It's just I never actually realized that it was using the headphone jack. Oh, <laughs> yes, it's to pipe uh, audio from your phone to the headset, right? Yeah, usually I turn music off in my games so I can listen to the voice chat mixed with the game effects audio and whatever podcast I'm listening to or music or whatever, uh, which is great, except that wouldn't really work out of the box. Well, it would with the adapter, but it wouldn't really work on an iPhone 7 because it doesn't have a headphone jack, which I found very amusing that I realized this like while I was writing the blog post about the headphone jack. I was like, I, I accidentally like nudged my headset over. And that's when I realized like, wait, shit, that uses the headphone jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh
I think yeah, I think that's why I meant when people complain is in general people won't complain, but they'll realize oh fuck I used to do that and now I somewhat can. Yeah, and if you're thinking, uh, if you want to hear more about like the idea of adapting to a world without a headphone jack, there was a really good discussion on this week's episode of Upgrade on the Relay FM network, which you can go listen to and is going to be in the show notes, where Mike talks about where he's going on a trip to Portland and he decided to basically like take notes on how he was using his headphone jack and how his experience on a long transcontinental flight might change if he didn't have that headphone jack and his realizations are very enlightening because I'm going to be on like a 14 hour, 15 hour plane ride at the end of the year. And I'm going to, well, I'm not going to have to adapt to it because I don't have an iPhone seven, but I'm in the market for new headphones anyway. So I'm sort of looking at what the most future proof options are. And I'm trying to take that into account and I still not sure what I'm going to do with that. Okay. And I think we covered pole events. Yes, we did. Um, so if you want to go look at the show notes for this episode, you can go to limitlesspossibility.net slash 49, or you can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the show on Twitter at limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast on Twitter. I am at Sakarina on Twitter, and Nukadivi is... At Lukonush. You're not going to spell it? Hey, <laughs> you didn't spell yours, so I, I went with the flow. Oh, really? Oh, uh, I'm S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A, and Nukadivi is... At Lukonush, L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And we'll see you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. Happy shopping. Right? Or happy spending of Kenyan money. Oh, God.